Hello and welcome to Digital Know How. This podcast series is brought to you by Digital Works Group. Our team of experts are here to share straight-talking, no-nonsense, practical information and advice for successful digital transformation. Organisations need to act like tribes, not functional silos that won't cut the mustard, otherwise that will break your customer experience. And they have to be supported by a clear vision and a clear mandate to change the business which is being led and empowered. Digital Works Group has recorded a series of interactive educational webinars and we've taken the audio from one of those webinars to create this episode. Here's Andrew Salmon talking about who should own digital change. Hello everybody, we're going to be talking today about who should own digital change within an organisation. A little bit about me, I've been working in digital for far too long, probably about 25 years plus these days. Through a number of activities with companies in the past like AOL or FreeServe and things like that. And I've been an independent consultant for about six years and then I've been part of Digital Works Group for the last eight years or so. We've been very fortunate to work with some fantastic clients along the way and we've learned a lot of things part of that journey. Anyway, enough about me. First part of the session we're going to start talking about is broadly to give some context really around what digital is today because it's an important backgrounder to our opinions on who should own digital change and also secondly what uh, companies can do to kind of help that. We are going to cover a couple of use cases towards the end of it. One where we saw a company doing it in our opinion very well another one who potentially had some more challenges from a structural perspective and that might give some good insight for people. One of the core questions that we get asked all the time is what is digital okay and digital today is a pretty broad church term okay it's a fairly all-encompassing thing but we look at it as a way that you need to adapt, but also secondly, can be used to solve business problems. And that could be in the areas of marketing, so the additional digital marketing techniques into your go-to-market planning, creation of assets like websites, or mobile applications or other platform-related activities, how you can change your processes and digitize those for any efficiency gains, how you need to change your experience, okay? We as humans have changed quite dramatically in the way that we consume and buy things. And there needs to be a change to those experiences over that period of time. Clearly is uh, related to technology and data. Some people say digital is the skinny front end part and then IT is the other bit at the back end. I don't propose to that at all. Uh, Effectively, digital is the experience and IT is the enablement of that experience increasingly. Final thing. Obviously, it can be the employee value proposition or part of that, the services or the the activities, the environment that people need to create in their businesses to attract millennials or whatever, or whoever those skills that they need to do. So digital is a change in behavior, but also secondly, a set of solutions towards to allow a company to adapt. What um, What that really means is this kind of realization that, as I've just said, us as humans have changed quite dramatically in the way that we buy and interact, okay? Our behavior and our expectations have changed significantly over this period of time. We're more empowered, we're more knowledgeable, we can say good or bad things very quickly about organizations who don't fulfill our requirement. And our expectations really have grown significantly over that period of time. 
as some companies have embraced digital experiences as part of what they do, and that's provided good benchmarks for us as buyers. But it also relates to how we work with partner companies, increasingly through channels. Those behaviours, the adoption of digital and the expectations associated with that has grown. And also, as I just said previously, and the talent within our organisations. What that broadly means, if you look at it from that experience, that talent, that go-to-market, that technology, that operational process, that digital assets, Businesses really need to adapt and change to these changes which are happening in the environment. And that is from a vision, a strategy, plan, a capabilities, and their own environmental aspects, as I say, in terms of the way that their talent interacts. So for me, that's what digital and digital change is really about. It's a recognition that expectations out of the market or the way we do things have changed. Uh, and like any businesses from the last 5,000 years, the most successful ones uh, are the ones that adapt to that new environment moving forward. And fundamentally for us these days, and the challenge for CEOs and the others in the C-level team and whole organisations is ensuring that that is integrated in that, that change is integrated uh, so it matches what the market and customers and partners and talent are requiring. So how important is doing this? Well, it's fairly self-explanatory. I would suggest that it's pretty important. It's very important. Digital isn't the only change agent that companies have to deal with. Economic conditions, regulatory environments, and everything else are real proponents to it. But I would argue very strongly that digital, because of the rate of adoption, because of everything else going on, is probably the most pervasive change agent that is changing markets and expectations at this particular point in time. So any companies ignoring it personally, I think they do so at their peril because we can see that the most digitally adapt businesses, a number of examples of this, but I've taken some like financial or, or in, uh, insurance or Amazon, which is a, a default, they really are more profitable than other businesses. And they're also strategically more strong than other businesses out there. We've got other examples of companies who haven't adapted and maybe haven't injected the right degree of change and adaptation in their business, along with the digital theme as part of that. Thomas Cook, while it wasn't all about digital failure in that business, they didn't adapt to the market at that particular point. They didn't adapt to the new ways that people were buying things online. They had an old way of selling things through retail stores, which was a very costly way of doing so. And you combine that with the fact that most of their footfall were going online. But again, there's plenty of examples in that particular regard. One of my favorite quotes from a successful CEO, which is Jan, Dan Schulman, is what's on that, on that slide, which is past success is the biggest impediment to future success. The reason why companies can get fairly compliant, and they also say, well, we've been successful, uh, why should we change? The whole environment is changing, okay? Uh, what you've done before may not work in the future, so you do have to adapt. How challenging is it? That's another question that we get asked quite often. The answer to it is it's hard to do, okay? I have absolute sympathy for businesses who's trying to go through this change at this particular point in time because it is really pervasive, okay? So we picked out just a few examples of that in terms of an environmental thing. 
So if you look at it from a customer and talent perspective, as I've said earlier, that has never been more complex or demanding or the discerning and empowered. A good insight into that was from our friends at McKinsey, who did some insight into the degree of influence is that people now look for or insight before they make a buy decision. Now, in the past, that was about five. So if you're a good marketeer, you'd work that out and you'd make that degree of influence at that particular point in time and channel people towards that buy decision. Today is 20. There are far more sources of information. There are far more ways to interact. There's far more ways to look to see whether a company is a good bet to actually buy the equipment or whatever you're looking for from. Okay, It's just more complex. Another thing, as I said, we're a very impatient bunch these days. eMarketer did some good insight now, probably a couple of years ago, actually, that shows the degree of impatience that people have. We're all time poor these days. And typically a lot of people, if they don't get a good experience or a good online experience within uh, just a matter of seconds these days, then they'll go somewhere else. They can find competition very quickly. So that's pretty challenging, okay? 20 years ago, companies didn't have to deal with this at all. There's been a whole raft of change in the way that they go about their digital marketing and their activities in that regard. Said before, technology and data is a, uh, especially data for me actually, is a massively important thing. Uh, it's a fantastic empower of what you're doing. It moves organizations in their business model from an OPEX related activity into an increasingly CAPEX related activity. What does that bit of gobbledygook mean? It means generally that they can do things more efficiently and therefore a lower cost base once they've made the technology investment. It's also an enormous enabler for the way that the customer experience needs to be. Data is the heart of that. If you combine that correctly and you can deliver it in the right way, uh, you can create increasingly relevant experiences, which then stops customers waiting three seconds and then wandering off uh, at that particular point in time. But it's also super complex and confusing at times, okay? So a little bit of a graphic which showed there in one of my favorite areas or technical areas uh, out there is in marketing technology, okay? Now, marketing technology obviously is vitally important for the way that a lot of companies go to market, whether that's B2C or B2P. Okay. And in 2011, uh, when it was fairly nascent as, as a topic, really, there was about 150 providers out there providing uh, this broad MarTech solutions from how you can acquire customers better, how you can get your brand out, how you can convert better, et cetera, et cetera. Today, there's 7,000 plus organizations pitching their wares. So even if you've been around the block a while, like I've been, it's pretty confusing to understand how not only the universe of those companies, but also secondly, how they fit together. I feel a lot for the IT directors and the CTOs and CIOs over, out there who need to put these things together. It's pretty hard stuff doing it. It's also hard for marketeers who are increasingly being expected to become pseudo IT people in that particular regard. But working together, I think people can achieve it. Final thing is pace of change, okay? I'm sure a number of people on the line have probably seen these things called internet minutes and stuff like that. What's been dramatic over the last few years has just been the general growth of people's online behaviours and activities. What I think is interesting from 2018 to 2019 is the shift of those activities, okay? So there's much more activities related to video and other stuff like this. But that 
growth and that composition is changing quickly and therefore the pace is pretty high in the way that the markets uh, the markets are changing and therefore what you need to be able to do as a business to adapt you need to be flexible and you need to be able to change fast when you combine that kind of uh, the demands of your customers and also your talent with you know your technology and data complexity and the speed of being able to move that brings me back straight away to why i think i have a lot of sympathy for those people going through the change at this time because the, the challenge of adaptation in that environment especially as you're bigger or if you're a very complex organization you've got multi multi brands multi locations is very very complex Claire, I think there's a poll on this, actually, just to ask the attendees if that can run. According to Nielsen, how many digital devices does the average person in the UK have? Uh, the answer is four to five. Uh, so well done, everybody, okay, in virtually getting that right. I think the key thing is it just reinforces the fact that we not only consume things in a multi-device way, but we do, that's much more complex in the way that you have to deliver things moving forward. Nice to know we've got a knowledgeable set of people on the line today. So if that's all happening at this particular point in time, what does that mean for most businesses? Well, most businesses now fall, fall into three states, as we see it. As those who haven't seen the disruption happening, for whatever reason that may be, uh, and they need to be turned around really rapidly. And it's an unfortunate statistic that actually there's more and more of those type of companies out there. There are a lot of people in what we call plan transformation, okay? They see the changes happening and they need to go about it in a planned way. But they have time, more time than the rapid turnaround, whereby the fire is under their feet to go through that. And there are a lot of companies in that particular space through lots and lots of sectors. Some sectors are more advanced. Obviously, if they're a bit more close to the customer, they're probably more advanced in the way to, they need to do it. If they're a little bit further back in a B2B channel, then they probably have got a little bit more time on their hands. But either way, there's many companies in that planned transformational space. What is quite interesting is kind of what we would term an end state really, or at least an advanced state, which is there's a lot of what we call disruptive innovators or disruptors, okay? Uh, and that's a number of companies who fit into that. Now, we've said there's few, and actually from a big corporate perspective, there is only few, but there's lots of entrepreneurs out there and they would fit into this, okay? So there's a bunch of smaller businesses uh, which are strong innovators. Their challenge, of course, is to mature and get out into the market in a particular regard. But there are only a few bigger organizations who I would say are disruptors and disruptive innovators in a game-changing way. Okay? And a few of those was what I indicated earlier. Companies like Ant Financial, keep an eye on those guys coming from China. They're a significantly adaptive business and a real, really strong innovator coming through. How companies are adapting today, well, some of them are tackling this in a fully integrated manner, trying to change their states. Others are being more ad hoc in the way that they're looking to adapt, okay? Maybe they're creating new digital products. Maybe they're looking at those different marketing approaches. Maybe they're a bit early stage, but they understand that it's important to create a compelling and motivating vision and strategy moving forward. And one thing I would say, okay, occasionally situation or appetite or just people don't have the resources to be able to do it may point to a less integrated way of undertaking this change, okay? But if you kind of understand the threats and opportunities moving through, especially on slide six and some of the uh, conditions like pace and slide seven, uh, from my perspective, the ideal approach is always a staggered yet fully integrated one. 
you go about your change in a planned way, but you deliver it so you start to get the best benefits faster. So you might do all of these activities which are on this, but you kind of put it together in the right way and you deliver it in the right change because that's what your customers and your talent and your partners are demanding, okay? And the environment is, is, is kind of pushing people to do that quickly and start to develop adaptive organizational states. Here's an example of an integrated approach that we use at times just to help companies understand uh, the approach that they could take, okay? So we call it the digital maturity curve or the digital evolution curve, if that's another way you want to look at it. And typically we break it down into three stages and I'm not going to go through this in too much depth, but pretty much stage one is about your marketing transformation, how you go about it. The typical one led by a CMO maybe, whereby uh, the company uh, looking to inject all of these new digital activities into their go-to-market approaches. Now that could be using PPC, SEO, enhancing their web or mobile assets and uh, looking to put in place earlier nascent kind of MarTech environments to be able to support those type of things. We recommend that because they will get uh, reach and revenue benefits and it's also achievable okay you're not actually trying to boil the ocean in one go so you get a momentum within your business uh, this is the staggered approach i was talking about this is a good way of doing transformation it might not be the right way to do turnaround where the file really is under your feet but it is a way to do uh, planned transformation but you're trying to get that benefit because we found along the way that actually when companies start to provide success and other activities such as that and it's easier to bring others along with them, okay? Uh, please forgive me any CFOs on the call today. The CFO turning around and going, this is just not working. Digital does work, you just have to do it in the right way. Stage two, you've got your kind of momentum from stage one and some of the foundation places here. This is the hard yard. This is the big transformational step. Typically, again, I'm not going to go through each one of these, but it's typically driven by the understanding that the end-to-end -end customer experience needs to change, okay? And for a lot of organizations, especially traditional ones, they've actually structured in a, a functional vertical way. Customers don't think like that. They just want to have, buy something and have a good experience. And if things go wrong, be supportive and be, be treated extraordinarily well. The customer experience falls over, functional way, at handover points, okay? And people don't understand. They do a really good job of their bit but it might not be the right thing for that overall customer experience and that handover. So there's a realization that actually, if we start to do this, we get even better. So it's not just about acquisition, it's about usage, it's about support, it's about advocacy at that end of time. And we have to start thinking about that. But that's a fundamental shift for lots of businesses from an organizational IT uh, platform perspective, uh, organizational environment skills and everything like that. But it can be done because you're on, the, you're on that momentum shift already, which has gone through your marketing transformational stage. And if you do it well, not only do you continue to enhance your reach and revenue, but you're also probably going to be delivering it. Remember that CapEx thing I was talking about? You start to deliver it in a more efficient way of doing things. You might be digitizing better operational processes. And therefore, your profitability begins to enhance, which is what Capgemini found, if you remember back on slide six. The fundamental thing, I think, actually, from this stage is you've done, as I say, you've done the hard yards. You've also more than likely got your data environment in place. And at that point, what it allows you to do, you've got an adaptive organization. You've probably got your data. You've got everything else you need to be in place. You can then start to move into what we call game-changing innovation state. 
And that's industry changing innovation. I'm not talking about just some small process change. I'm talking about a fundamental way to shift things within the industry. But at that particular point, you've got real competitive advantage. Not only because you can create stuff which delights customers, okay, but also secondly, you can do it far faster, more quickly, in a much more relevant way. You'll be pleased to know that actually, that is the context of what we're going to be talking about, okay? But it really does provide, I think, the environment to uh, support some of the opinions that we've got, which we will now go through, okay? But before I do this, we took some research from MIT Sloan, who are actually really advanced in their thinking around business adaptation and innovation, especially around digital. And they came out with this really strong statement, and this was about two or three years ago now. And the critical factor here, all right, in terms of who should own digital change, and the very strong clue here is the word leader and what they did. So companies that succeed have leaders who share their vision and define a planned approach, an integrated approach. They create capabilities across the organization with authority, which is really important to ensure that the organization moves forward in the right way. And they reward and corral everybody within the business to work towards it. And that's how you get a rapidly adaptive organization. Now, Claire, I think we've got another poll here. We're just going to ask the audience another quick question before we move on. Thank you. Yep. It's for any company-wide digital transformation program, which C-level team member is the most important to its success? Oh, that's great, guys. Now, this is a bit of a trick question, I'm afraid. I've been a bit nasty here because the answer is all of them, okay? But if I was forced to give you an answer, Okay, and which one? I would agree with the 67% of people who have voted that it's the chief executive officer. So thank you very much again, guys, uh, for voting on that. Again, it's lovely to see that we've got a, a really educated audience today. So you put all that together, in, in my mind at least, and I think everybody within digital works, that we've got an inescapable truth to start to develop in what we're doing. So started off by demonstrating that changes or digital uh, and the change to adapt to that is pretty important. We also established that it's pretty difficult. But when you combine the fact that it's with that multifunctional picture, e.g. all of these things need to adapt over a period of time, and that MIT piece of research that we shared with everybody, it kind of starts pointing to this in terms of who should own digital change. Ultimately, it sits with the board or the senior management team, led by the CEO and his C-level team. This is absolutely pivotal. It was very interesting. I was chatting with uh, one of our partners in the strategy and leadership team yesterday, and he shared uh, some really interesting anecdotal evidence here. Uh, he's been talking to a lot of CEOs in businesses, and he often asks this question. He says, so who owns your digital change in your organization? And he actually said, very, there are very few. He said, oh, it's me. Normally, it's Bob, who's uh, in our digital marketing team or whatever it is. People can't think like this any longer. The change of the organization sits squarely with the C-level team. Digital is pervasive across all of those functions. So it's not one person. It's effectively a skill set and an experience set, which needs to be owned by all of the board to provide the appropriate leadership. And that is really important. Now, each transformational stage can be owned by an appropriate C-level person. That's fine. But ultimately, if you buy into that integrated approach and a journey for the organization over a period of time, it's an uncomfortable truth for many. Many CEOs are uncomfortable with digital because they're a bit older, a bit older like me. And they remember 
actually that. They've been successful in the way they do things. But the market and the environment has changed around them uh, and they need to be successful in the way they go about understanding digital and actually progressing. And they clearly, all the way through, this needs to be permeated through the organisation. Your executional teams, if you want to call them that, are kind of skilled, empowered, they operate in a cross-functional manner and are suitably rewarded. Organisations need to act like tribes, not functional silos. That won't cut the mustard. Otherwise, that will, that will break your customer experience. They've got to operate in a cross-functional way to good creation processes in an agile type of way, which is orientated to the customer and the business model. And they have to be supported by a clear vision and a clear mandate to change the business, which is being led and empowered through board and ultimately by the CEO. So if you kind of buy into that, this is who we believe shouldn't own digital change. Now, over the past few years, there's been the rise of what we would call the chief digital officer. And, and believe me, I've been a chief digital officer along the way. But I don't believe chief digital officers should be owning the change unless they've got a specific job, okay, which is to educate the rest of the C-level team in the short term to go up that learning curve quickly. If that's the case, I buy into that's an absolutely necessary thing. But if they are expected to change the whole organization across everything, where they're actually having to try and work with functional leaders to be able to do that, but it's their drive. I personally think the CEO is abdicating their responsibility at that particular point in time. And it often just causes organizational confusion. It's another C-level a C-level role, which is sometimes awkward, especially for companies who are more mature in the way they're doing things and, and whatever. I don't think that role is particularly useful at that particular point. So I don't buy into that, I'm afraid, okay, unless it's a specific educational task and educating the business and how they move through, but ultimately handing over that knowledge and that empowerment to them over that period of time. That I do buy into. It's clearly not some disempowered poor middle manager, okay? Uh, we've seen that with a number of clients along the way. They ain't going to work, okay? They don't have the authority to make wide-scale change at the right degree of pace. That doesn't work. And equally, it's not some poor young person who, frankly, probably knows digital better than I do these days, but they don't know how to utilize it to create the significant change. Change is the hard bit. Understanding digital, yeah, it is hard because there's multiple, there's multiple disciplines of it these days, but you can get your head around that. But how you apply and you change an organization, that's often beyond the realms of somebody who just knows digital, and especially if they're early stage in their career. And we've seen organizations who have tried to do that and successful ones, but not successful in their change. If you kind of translate it on that transformational journey, using our stages, utilizing pretty much the leadership streams and everything like that, picture kind of emerges and what needs to be done. So if I was leading marketing transformation, the ultimate owner, as I say on the right-hand side, is your CEO. The CMO is going to do it from an experienced digital marketing perspective, and it's going to be clearly supported quite strongly by the CTO, CIO, who are there to provide the environment or the technical environment to make that change. They will also need support from the CFO and the HRD. That's pretty important along the way. The human resources director. As you move into stage two, where it's much more wider, wider change, you've got multiple owners of multiple streams. It probably needs to be brought together by an implementation director at that stage. But again, ultimate owner is going to be the CEO. Still needs very strong support, not only in their own respective streams, but also secondly, uh, across all those streams from the financial officer. So they get the right level of investment. And of course, uh, the human side of things from the head of talent. 
Final one is game-changing innovation. You may have a chief innovation officer if that kind of works for you at that particular point in time. Uh, they will be working, there will be absolutely an adaptation, but only adaptation at that point in terms of the way the environment works to actually stimulate new innovations from the CTO and CIO. It's the same, it's the same support group, it's the same ultimate owner along the way. The consistency is the ultimate owner who's the CEO. So that's who should own digital change at that particular point. And as I say, fairly strong opinions on that. And I don't apologize for that. But how do you make it easier? How do organizations, how do the board, how do the senior team, how do everybody kind of create the environment within the business to make any change less risky, smoother and faster and more likely to be successful? Now, as a business, we have what we would call the nine factors of change that uh, we use to advise businesses on. And they are staggered. And we have what we would call four strategic change factors and five executional change factors, which actually, although we haven't got the slide here today, relates to quite strongly to a piece of insight that uh, Gartner did about two years ago. So the fundamental one, if you're going to try and create this environment, the capabilities, the approaches within the business, which helps all of the executional people who are tasked with it and the C-level team who are responsible for managing and leading that change, is you've got to have a clear vision, strategy and objectives and targets. This is your staggered integrated approach. You've got to know where you want to end up. You might adapt it as you're going through in the mix, but you've got to kind of know where you want to end up. Otherwise, you're making it up as you go along. So that's really important. So it uh, doesn't have to be a uh, war and peace. It can be just, this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to kind of achieve it. Here's a roadmap. We've already talked about this bit, and this is what this is all been about today, is the ownership of digital by all the executive team. Okay, and hopefully some of our logic and some of our arguments make sense. So I won't go into that one anymore. Another bit is, as a cultural thing, you need to be customer experience led through your business. Yes, you need to tie that to your business model. So you do the right things for your customers in your business. Fundamentally, that needs to be pervasive within the business itself. It's a cultural strategic factor. Other bit, you need the right organization environment and empowerment and it'll probably shape skills and everything else, okay? Processes, you can work out. They do what you tell them to do. Technology, broadly, does what you tell it to do. Humans, humans are really complex beasts. So you've got to ensure that it's the human element, which is the most complex element, is in the right shape. And that's another really strong strategic factor. The rest of what we call executional change factors. So it's very useful because technology these days for digital change is so important. That as part of your strategy objectives and targets, that a theme of that is you have a long-term architectural plan and a data architectural plan within that. So you better get that in place. You do need to make the right levels of investment, okay? I think we've had a webinar and a blog and a podcast about this before. Change is hard. That's why the CEO and the CFO have got to get behind this and make that work. So you've got to have the right levels of investment. If you do that, you will get the payment back, okay? It can be tough because the investment can be quite large, especially at stage two. But with a bit of faith and doing it in the right way, and by, with the right investment, you will make that change. And the investment is in technology, it is in uh, process creation, it is in changing your customer experience, it is in skills and resources. A way to support the right organization environment is you need a communication plan, which brings all this to life. There's no point being in a blackened room. Seven uh, C-level people come out and go, da-da, that's the plan, and nobody else in the business knows about it. That doesn't work at all. Um, you probably 
okay, uh, need to, maybe not at stage one in your marketing transformation, but definitely in your stage two, your company-wide transformation, need to manage and plan your change centrally. Uh, I'm a big proponent of an implementation director who helps the execution elements and bring them all together in that integrated way. And the final thing, you need the right cross-functional working processes and also the right creation practices. You know, arguably today, you need a hybrid approach to that. So it's planned agility in the way that you deliver stuff. If you're a software development company, then be as agile as you want and be pure agile. Uh, for the rest of the universe, probably you need to do this integrated change approach, but with agile working practices amongst those streams to start delivering it. So you'd be pleased to know we're not too far away from the end of the webinar at this point before we can get in some Q&A stuff. So here's an example of a success, uh, an organization that we helped around about 2015, actually until about 2018, which is uh, Travelodge Marketing Transformation Stage. And what did they do well? Well, let's have a look at their outcome first and then we'll work backwards from that. They had many critical components which was aligned to the transformation success. Yes, some of it could be slightly better along the way, but you can't really, I can't really argue with their performance. In 2012, they're in pretty much a turnaround situation. They had 500 hotels turning over about 100 million quid, which is terrible, actually. By 2016, that turnover had gone up eightfold. They had significant uh, profitability and the digital function was very important and actually had transformed significantly. And it then represented about 80% of that turnover. So what did they do well? Well, the first thing was uh, they had a CMO and a lady called Karen, who was excellent. She really believed it. She was responsible for that marketing transformation. She was knowledgeable about digital. She was open. She quickly learned about stuff to do with uh, transformation. They had a clear vision of what an end state would look like, partly led by some of their competitors like Premier Ed, and very collaborative, supported and empowering, generally within that environment and that team. She was well supported by a CTO uh, who had brilliant digital experience and was a massive proponent to move from a very waterfall driven approach to a more agile way of doing things. It wasn't pure agile. It was a more agile way of doing things. They had extraordinarily uh, good working practices, not when, when we first started with them, between what they would call the commercial digital team, marketeers and also their technologists, but that through significant work and activity created really strong working practices. And they had a good, clear understanding of what their endpoint architectural environment was. They had a very strong, and I won't embarrass him by saying his name, one of the most talented enterprise architects that I've actually come across. So they were well-skilled as well. They had a challenging CFO who was a little old school around financial controls and stuff like that. I thought that slowed progress a little bit, but was absolutely willing to invest uh, in the investment of the new digital environment. Once you convinced her, it was all get on with it, guys, at pace. Similar thing from the HRD, the human resources director. I had a little bit of a, a lack of uh, investment in that central team, which uh, slowed things up in terms of hiring processes that they went through. But again, it was, there was no question mark what that digital or the uh, injection of digital skills and the way they were doing things was strategically important. Peter, who's the CEO, absolutely scary individual, but absolutely brilliant. One of the brightest people that I've come across. Uh, he was a massive advocate of what needed to be done with digital. Um, he was, as I called it, all in. We have to do this, guys. And he was 
absolutely a strong involvement through the process and he kept this is where the scary bit came in slightly he kept real pressure on the pace come on guys fully understood that the environment was changing and he had to keep the rate of transformation controlled but high and that's what he did and team empowerment generally was pretty good so in a relatively short period of time Travelogs were turning their business around. Digital became more important through that process, okay? And as I said, ultimately, and probably even more today, is the main way that they enable bookings and therefore create revenue and reach out into their growing asset base of their hotels. It is a success story in what they did. Let's go on to a challenging one that we experienced this year, actually. Again, company who was private equity owned was brilliant business, but a brilliant traditional business. So let me walk through this, all right? And then I'll come to the outcome. So a new hire, chief product officer, come slash CMO, who had all the skills appointed by the private equity company uh, to come in and drive the transformation of the business, try and transform this business. We need to make more money. We need to increase our multiple. We need to be strategically flexible. We need to become CapEx rather than OpEx based, et cetera, et cetera. And he knew it, okay? He knew what he needed to do. He was very knowledgeable about digital and transformation, somebody I've known for about 15 to 20 years. A clear vision end state and was worked extraordinarily hard in terms of being collaborative, supported and empowering, not only to us who were working with him, but also secondly, with everybody else within his team. He fundamentally knew that this was a new pivotal environment, pivotal function for the business and went about ensuring that uh, others within the organisation could work with him. But it didn't really work out quite so well, okay? When we moved from the planning stage, so the clear strategic vision, the detail associated with that into the executional stage, and I'll come on to that in a moment, okay? So what, in our opinion, didn't they have quite right? So the first thing was, did they have a knowledgeable CTO CIO? Uh, the answer was no, not really. They had a, an old, what I would call an old school IT director who didn't understand what the end game was and actually didn't really have much ambition to be part of that journey. His job, and continue to see that as just keeping the current operation running, keeping the lights on. So that was a bit of a problem. There was a CFO who was bought into the end state, but actually had, ironically himself, didn't have any authority to invest. And that clearly, obviously, significantly slows progress when you have to uh, try to invest. They had appointed a C-level chief digital officer who was bought into own digital. And that was a real conflict between the chief product officer and that individual, actually, because the chief product officer was brought in to lead the change of what's digital was an element of it. And actually, that created some very, very interesting dynamics between all three, including the IT director on ownership in role. Absolutely, in this case, it just didn't work, okay? The human resource director was similar to the CFO. Both of those and the chief product officer was brought in by the private equity company to try and help the process. But again, he was brought into the end state. But again, he didn't have any real authority within the business to change the structure and the culture. So you've got two of those really strong things, you know, change your IT environment, change your, your, your humans. Okay. They didn't have authority to do that. That's quite a problem. There's no COO, so that was not even on the table about how they could digitize their processes and enhance their operational processes. 
can't divulge too much because uh, we continue to be under NDA on that, but there was a significantly missed opportunity to do that from a cost reclaim perspective. There's no implementation transformational director to quote, we just don't do it that way, okay? And therefore, it was a very difficult to plan and integrate that change along the way. But the CEO was brilliant, okay? One of the most uh, gifted individuals that, again, that I've come across along the way. And he was a firm advocate for this, and he had exceptional vision for where the business needed to do. But his particular problem is he'd never transformed a business. He was a real entrepreneur. He'd grown a business. He'd grown a really successful business, which was then needing to be changed because their environment had shifted. But also, secondly, the shareholders wanted it changed. And he didn't want to let go of some of that control. And therefore, that stopped the empowerment of some of the other people that he should have been relying on to get that element sorted out. And generally within the business, because of that central control, okay, it was very limited in terms of other people being able to make the right level of decisions to increase the pace and stuff like that. So the outcome was this, very clear vision, very clear plan, very clear ambition to what needed to be done. What we would call in our business a very good planning stage or think stage, you know, highly detailed everything else like that but actually we secretly think that this has been a bit of a failure because it's difficult to make this change for the organization okay it's been ultra slow it's frustrating for many people within the business and there has been some unnecessary politics but what we've recognized through experience of working with others and other businesses is where those problems are and we are continuing to help our sponsor, which is the chief product officer, to try and address these problems within the business. And we hope once the CEO is slightly less distracted by other stuff going in in the business, that we can start helping and understand those changes which needs to happen through his organization. But at this point in time, this is a good example of a very, very successful business. Do you remember that quote from the PayPal CEO? And there you are. Okay. They do need to adapt the capabilities within their organizations to make that change smoother and faster and less risky. I hope it's been useful for everybody in the session today. As I say, please feel free to pick up reins in the future or anything like that. If you are going through your own transformation activities and everything else, uh, very happy to have a conversation with anybody, provide some advice because this is a difficult thing to be able to do. Uh, just leaves me to say thank you very much, guys, for listening. Have a really good rest of your day.